Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus is not dead, but alive. And that what we mean by that is we literally mean he's not dead anymore. We talked about the fact that uh, about 2,000 years ago, Jesus ate his last supper with his friends, was crucified the next day, and then on Easter Sunday, 2,000 years ago, ate another meal with those same friends. This is the good news that Jesus is raised from the dead. He's not dead. He is alive, which means he has made a way for you and I that our last meal on earth will not be our last meal on earth. We celebrate that on Easter Sunday. We actually celebrate that every Sunday. We celebrate it every day because this is the blessed gift from God to us. But what we talked about last Sunday was not the full story. Jesus died on Friday, was raised again on Sunday, ate a meal with his friends who recognized him, engaged with him, were glad to be with him. All of that is absolutely true. What we didn't talk about last Sunday is why? Why did Jesus go through this? Jesus, who is fully God, was perfectly happy in heaven, full of comfort and joy and worship and grace. Why would he come to this earth? Why would he become one of us, human, just like you and me? Why would he go through death, this horrible, difficult, incredibly hellish thing that he experienced? Why would he do this? Well, he tells us. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He came and died because this is what shepherds do. Now, this is a metaphor, but it's an incredibly powerful metaphor when Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, what is he saying? The idea of shepherd, sheep, goats. In the Bible, those words are used over 500 times. It is one of the most important metaphors in the Bible. Jesus calls himself a good shepherd. This is echoing the sentiments of one of the favorite psalms in the Bible, Psalm 23, in which it is proclaimed, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, this morning we have the opportunity to understand what does this metaphor of shepherd mean? This year we're going through a study of the book of Genesis, which is the very first book in the Bible. And one of the cool things about the first book in the Bible is you have lots of firsts in it. The first time we hear this word, or the first time we hear this story, or the first time we meet this character. This morning, we have the first introduction of really what it means to be a shepherd. And the first time that the English word shepherd appears in our New International Version translation of the Bible. So I'd like to invite you to take a Bible and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 29. Genesis 29. There's Bibles in the rack in front of you. That's page 23. 
Last week, we had an invitation for people who wanted to come to faith. They could stop by and pick up a Bible. We love giving out Bibles because we want people to have God's word in their hands. We're celebrating the fact that at least 15 people stopped by and picked up a Bible and can now uh, join us in uh, looking through this with us. And so we're grateful to the Lord for doing that. Genesis 29, verse 23, or page 23 we have the opportunity to understand what do we mean when we talk about shepherding? It's an occupation that maybe many of us are not as familiar with. But while we do this, this is not a sort of history lesson or a sociology lesson to figure out we'd like all of you to be better experts in shepherding. The purpose of this is to understand what does Jesus mean when he says, I am the good shepherd, And what is Psalm 23 talking about when it says, the Lord is my shepherd? So as we go through this story, I'm going to have behind me on the screen Psalm 23. As we look at this story, we're going to also look a little bit at Psalm 23 because Psalm 23 helps us understand what does it mean to be a shepherd and looking at Genesis 29 about what does it mean to be a shepherd helps us understand how does God love and care for us those of us that he, is, uh, he calls his sheep. So Genesis 29, I'm going to read verses 1 to 14. Then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the open country with three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large, When all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob asked the shepherds, my brothers, where are you from? We are from Haran, they replied. He said to them, do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Yes, we know him, they answered. Then Jacob asked them, is he well? Yes, he is, they said, and here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. Look, he said, the sun is still high. It is not time for the flocks to be gathered. Water the sheep and take them back to pasture. We can't, they replied, until all the flocks are gathered and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the well. Then we will water the sheep. While he was still talking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherd. When Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and waters his uncle's sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. He had told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and a son of Rebekah. So she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his home. And there Jacob told him all these things. Then Laban said to him, you are my own flesh and blood. In this story, we get to come to understand something of the occupation of being a shepherd. There were three main jobs that a shepherd had in caring for sheep. The first was it was the shepherd's responsibility to provide food and water in a hostile environment. You can hear that in the story. The whole story revolves around this well with a giant stone on it. 
The reason the stone is on it is because this is a rare water source in Israel. Israel doesn't have a lot of water. And sheep desperately need water. They need to drink water every day. If they don't, they will dehydrate and die. And so in Israel, it is imperative for shepherds to know where water sources are so that they can provide that for their sheep. In the winter months, when it's cooler and there's less dehydration going on, a shepherd in Israel needs to keep a water source within a 20-mile radius of where they are because they have to be able to get to water. In the summer, when it's warmer, they have to be within 10 to 12 miles of a water source so that they can get there to water their sheep. This is the shepherd's job. If the shepherd doesn't provide water for the sheep, the sheep will die. Shepherd's also responsible for providing food. Sheep need a balanced diet, especially nursing mothers and little baby sheep. They have to eat a variety of plants, and it's the shepherd's job to get them to where those plants are so they have them graze in a variety of different pastures. It's the shepherd's responsibility to make sure that the sheep don't overgraze the pasture or undergraze the pasture because that will do damage to the food source for later months and years. This is the shepherd's responsibility to provide for those sheep that he's caring for. In Psalm 23, we are told that God makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. It's a beautiful line. The picture is of enemies all around and God providing food and sustenance, a table for us in the midst of a hostile world. This is what God does for us those who believe in Jesus is he provides for us water and food and all other things that we need in the midst of a difficult and hostile environment. The second job of every shepherd is to provide rest for their sheep. Specifically, we mean protection. You'll notice in our story that there are three different shepherds and three different flocks who have gathered at this well all waiting to use the water when it's time to roll the stone away, you might notice that it says that the sheep were lying down near the well. Sheep only lie down when they are at peace, when they are at rest. This is the shepherd's job. There are lots of things that agitate sheep. Lots of things they get scared or nervous about or that endanger their lives. Bad weather, predators, thieves. Sheep can be easily injured. They can get lost. They need to be protected. There actually is, and the passage in the Bible talks about it, sheep bullying. Sheep like to bully one another. If they are feeling bullied by other sheep in the flock, they can't rest. So the fact that these three flocks, all of the sheep are lying down and at rest means that these shepherds are doing a good job. This is the shepherd's job is to protect the sheep so that they can live in peace. A shepherd had a number of things that helped them do this. One was a rod 
This is a short weapon. It's a club. And the shepherd would use the rod to fight off predators. David, who was a shepherd, uh, defeated and killed a bear and a lion who were wanting to eat his sheep. He didn't abandon his sheep. It was his job to fight them off. This is what a club uh, or a rod is meant to do. A shepherd, most shepherds also, also carried with them a staff. This is different than the rod. The staff is a longer stick with a hook at the end. And the shepherd would use this staff when sheep would wander off or when they would get lost or get caught in a thicket or some place in which they got themselves in trouble. The purpose of the staff was also to keep one sheep from bullying another sheep. The staff was used to keep sheep separate from one another. Shepherds also carried with them oil. One of the purposes of the oil was that when a sheep is agitated, when it's anxious or scared, the shepherd would take oil and massage it on their head, rub it on their head, anointing their head with oil to bring them peace and calm. They would also pour the oil on open wounds if a sheep got injured. The oil would help protect the wound and bring healing. Shepherds provided shelter for sheep. They would offer sheep. They would often house them in caves at night or in enclosed spaces to protect them from the weather to protect them from night predators or from them wandering away. The shepherd would gather all of the sheep at night and put them into the cave and then the shepherd would lay down at the opening to the cave so that nothing could get in to harm the sheep without getting first to the shepherd. This is the shepherd's job and so that the sheep can be at rest, so they can be at peace. In Psalm 23, we are reminded... Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because God is with me. His rod to protect from enemies and his staff, they comfort me. God anoints our head with oil, meaning when we're feeling agitated or anxious or scared, he calms us and speaks words of comfort to us. And it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is what shepherds do. They provide protection, homes for their sheep to be able to live and stay and rest. Third job that a shepherd was responsible for doing, so he's got to provide food and water in hostile environments, needs to provide protection and peace so that sheep can be at rest. And then the third thing that every shepherd had to do was to lead and guide. You can hear that a little bit in our story. When Jacob rebukes the shepherds that are there, he's like, why did you lead your sheep here? Their sun is still up in the sky. It's time to be grazing. You should lead them out and let them eat some more. He's not rebuking the sheep. It's not the sheep's fault. He's rebuking the shepherds. You need to lead them. More than most animals, sheep need to be led. They don't just get places on their own. Usually a shepherd led sheep from the front. And so the shepherd would go first and the sheep follow the shepherd. And the shepherd leads them to water, leads them to food, and the sheep follow wherever the shepherd is going. The shepherd has to make sure he leads or she leads the sheep on the right paths because otherwise they could get injured 
Sheep can actually go down a path and get themselves into a situation. I don't know if they don't have a reverse gear or what, but where they can't get out of where they are. It's the shepherd's job to figure out, no, no, we can't go that route. There will be injuries. There will be difficulty. There will be danger. We have to go this route. So usually a shepherd leads from the front, but sometimes a shepherd leads from the back. And this is a shepherd encouraging and urging and driving on sheep from the back, telling them which way to go. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He guides me along right path. Paths where I'm not going to get injured. Paths where I'm not going to get stuck. Paths where there are not predators waiting to harm me. And then the, near the last line, I love this. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That's God leading us from behind. That the goodness and mercy that God has done for us in the past is urging us on and guiding us in the right way to go. Well, this is what shepherds do. They provide, they protect, and they lead and they guide. That is the occupation of being a shepherd. All shepherds are responsible for doing these things. Now, as with most occupations, some people are good at their jobs and some people are bad at their jobs. So it is with shepherding. Some people were good shepherds and some people were not very good shepherds. So what were the characteristics that made a good shepherd a good shepherd? Again, three of them. First was strength and faithfulness. You can tell in this story, these shepherds got to move this big rock. There is a lot of strength associated with being a shepherd. Often shepherds would have to pick up and carry sheep that were injured. They can't simply leave them where they're at. Shepherds have to fight off wild animals. It is a job that requires great strength as well as incredible endurance. In a couple of chapters, Jacob will complain about his job as being a shepherd. And he will say, I was freezing cold all night, I was boiling hot all day, and I never got any sleep for 20 years. It requires incredible endurance. The second characteristic that makes someone a good shepherd as opposed to not being a good shepherd is skill. This was a difficult job. You had to figure, I had to know all sorts of things, how to care for every aspect of a sheep's life, how to find pasture, how to not overgraze or undergraze the pasture, how to figure out where to get water, how to work together to find out how to keep anybody else from drinking the water that your sheep are gonna need. It was a difficult job to figure out wherever you go in there, there's different terrain, there's different people coming. Are those enemies? Are those friends? How do I protect these sheep? It required constant vigilance to figure out how do I take care of these sheep? It says of David, who was a shepherd, that he shepherded with integrity of heart and skillfulness of hands. It requires skill to do this job. Shepherding was not for the faint of heart. And then the third characteristic that, qual or that identified somebody as a good shepherd as opposed to a bad shepherd, and this is the most important one, 
is shepherd more than any other occupation required a level of compassion and love and kindness. That's hinted at for us in our story. And then I said, this is the passage in which the first time we have the English word shepherd in our English Bibles. It's also the first time we have the, we're given the name of a shepherd. Did you catch who is the first named shepherd? Rachel. I don't think it's an accident that in this passage in which God is first introducing the idea of shepherding, I understand as well that Abel is a shepherd. And so we talk about Abel in Genesis uh, chapter three. But this is where the idea of shepherding is first introduced. That God has identified Rachel as the first shepherd that we think of in this passage. Now, female shepherds were not uncommon at all. There were lots of them. Exodus 2 talks about lots of female shepherds in Egypt. I think the point, though, in this passage is the reason why Rachel is named as the shepherd and the other shepherds are not is because what we normally think of as that nurturing, compassionate, tender, kind care that is often associated with women, that makes someone a great shepherd. Strength and skill alone are not enough. What you need is the love and the compassion. This does not mean that men are not compassionate. In just a few chapters, we're gonna see Jacob, after 20 years of being a shepherd, show incredible compassion and care for his sheep. His brother Esau says, as they're marching along, let's, let's hurry along and go faster. And Jacob says, I cannot go any faster, lest even one of these sheep perish. I will not drive them any harder than they can go. But that nurturing, that caring, that compassion that we often associate with women, this is necessary to be a shepherd. Shepherds and sheep have such a tight bond that the sheep can distinctively recognize a shepherd's voice. They know their shepherd. They know the person who is looking out for them, who is caring for them, who is loving them. And sheep will follow a shepherd anywhere, a good shepherd. So much so that when it's time for shearing or even time for sacrifice, a sheep will silently follow their shepherd because they trust him or they trust her. The sheep have such a bond with the shepherd, but the shepherd also has a huge bond with the sheep. Most shepherds give unique names to their sheep because they spend so much time knowing their idiosyncrasies of each one of them, caring for them, understanding their bullying tendencies or their flaws or their fears or whatever it may be, that most shepherds have distinct names for each of their sheep and call them by name. This is because love, compassion, care, this is at the heart of what it means to be a good shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. God is even actually acting as a shepherd in Genesis 29. It's not just Rachel 
or Jacob or these three others who are shepherding. God himself is present in our passage being a good shepherd. Let me ask you this question. Rachel, who comes out, this is who Jacob is meant to marry. This is his future wife. How did he happen to meet her? How did he end up at this well that she's coming to? I mean, the story just opens with, then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the open country with three flocks of sheep lying near it. It sounds just like dumb chance. Now Jacob's on this journey and he's happened to be wandering around. He's in an unfamiliar land. Hey, there's a well. I need some water. He ends up at the well and well. Lo and behold, here's this beautiful woman who happens to be uh, the person he's supposed to marry, the person he's looking for. When you first read this story, it sounds like random chance. But if you glance up at chapter 28, verse 15, this was the promise God made to Jacob right before he left for this journey. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Let me ask this question again. How did Jacob end up finding Rachel to marry her? God is being a good shepherd. And if you look at Jacob in this story, he actually looks a lot like a dumb sheep. He's actually, if you read the story, he's a bit of a buffoon. The first thing he does when he shows up in a foreign country that he's never been in is criticize the shepherds who have been doing their work in that country. And Jacob himself is not a shepherd. First thing he does, hey, the sun's still up in the sky. You guys don't know how to do your jobs. Then, when Rachel shows up, here is this beautiful woman, and he thinks, I'm going to show off and impress her by moving this giant stone by himself. There's a whole bunch of other people. They are used to moving it together. Jacob's like, no, 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 I'll do it by myself. Okay, that's fine. He looks like a silly buffoon. But you know who's loving him in the story despite his buffoonery? His good shepherd. He didn't get to this well by accident. He didn't realize the Lord was leading him there. That's why this story looks so different than the one where Isaac ends up with a wife. When Isaac ends up with a wife, Abraham's servant falls on his knee, prays to God, said, would you please show me who, this is, who it is that I'm supposed to marry? that Isaac's supposed to marry, and God very directly leads the servant to Rebekah. But don't miss the fact that God is just as involved here. Jacob doesn't know it because he's like a sheep. Sheep don't know how they got to their pasture. They're like, oh, look, there's food. I'll eat it. Oh, look, there's water. I'll drink it. They don't know how they got there. Jacob doesn't know how he got here. He will later. But it's his good shepherd. It's God doing exactly what he promised. It's God doing what he promised for us. We may not always know how we got to the pasture we're in. We may not always understand where this water came from. We may not understand where the finances to pay for something arrive from. We may not understand how we got healed of something. We may not understand how we end up being friends with the people we're friends with. We may not understand how we ended up in this church, but that doesn't mean God isn't leading. He is. 
He may be leading from the front and you may see it. He may be leading from the behind and from back and not know. But this is what shepherds do. Even if their sheep don't acknowledge it. They get them where they need to be. They provide for them. They protect them. And they love and they care for them. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, when we say the Lord is my shepherd, what we are saying, the God of the universe loves each and every one of you. And me too. He knows us by name. He calls us by name. He knows all about us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our frailties. He knows our tendencies towards bullying, to get lost, to be injured. He provides for us. He protects us. He gives us peace so that we can lay down and rest. If any of you got any sleep last night at all, it was your good shepherd who gave that to you. We sang the song, the very breath we breathe is a gift from him. He leads and he guides. Now you may say, well, that's great. I'm, I'm grateful that Jesus is my shepherd. I'm grateful that he laid down his life so that I could have eternal life. I'm grateful that God is leading even though I can't see him. Even though I ended up in this pasture, that pasture didn't know it. You may be very glad that God is doing all of that in this invisible sort of way. But maybe you're saying, but to be honest, sometimes I still need someone to talk to about this. Sometimes it would be nice to have a shepherd who would actually say, go over there, and I would just go over there. Sometimes it would be nice to have a shepherd who you could actually physically touch, who could comfort you or hug you or encourage you. Sometimes it would be nice to have a shepherd who isn't invisible, who's present with you to sit with you in the hospital or to love you as you're going through difficult things or when you're lonely could walk alongside of you and give you comfort. Don't you and I actually need a shepherd that is here? Yes, we do. Which is why in Jeremiah verse, or chapter 3, verse 15, God, our good shepherd, makes this promise to each and every one of us. I will give you what? Shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. God is such a good shepherd that he knows sometimes we need shepherds who are present with us with flesh and blood who have been through similar struggles that we can talk to in ways that's easier than it is for us sometimes to talk to God. And so even that God provides. He provides men and women who parent, who grandparents, who mentor, who pastor, who counsel, who encourage, who support, who teach. This is from the Lord. Which makes when humans fail in this job, it's so horrendously tragic that it is absolutely essential 
that God provide humans, men and women, to parent us, to counsel us, to encourage us, to bless us, to teach us, to pastor us, to lead us. And when we as humans fail in that responsibility, nothing outside of rejecting Jesus as Lord angers God more than when humans betray that calling. When we do not shepherd one another with kindness, when we do not stop bullying, when we do not protect against the elements, when we show no care for the injured, when we ignore the sick and the wounded. And sadly and tragically, there are professionals who fail at being shepherds. Pastors, counselors. There are volunteers who fail at being good shepherds. Youth leaders, elders. There are people who fail even as parents or grandparents to be good shepherds. Neglecting and ignoring, even sometimes abusing the sheep. There is no greater tragedy other than rejecting Jesus in God's kingdom. But having acknowledged that there are humans who fail at this, remember still the promise of God. I will give you shepherds after my own heart. God is a good shepherd. He provides for all of us what we need. He gives us food, water, shelter. He causes us to be at peace. He leads and guides us. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Do you want to say this with me? Say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? This brings us to our celebration of communion. We have an opportunity to celebrate our good shepherd who laid down his life for us and has taken it back up so he might do these things for us directly and also through humans he places in our lives.
Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.